Sorry about the first start there. Um, hopefully everybody finds us again here on Facebook Live and uh, had some technical difficulties to start off, and hopefully we've uh, we've gotten those figured out and we're ready to go here. So, uh, Matt, welcome back after the holidays, back in studio. Did you have a good holiday? Had a great holiday. You know, when you've got a four-year-old and a few-month-old, uh, it's, uh, it's easy to have a great holiday. So... Um, <laughs> So <laughs> we uh, we do have some guests in studio. Yeah, as you guys can tell, we got uh, Pete Abel and Drew Abel in the house. You guys hearing Pete uh, say he can't hear in these headphones over there real well. So welcome to the studio, guys. Thank you. You still can't hear anything. What? <laughs> take them off. You probably you probably hear them now. Take one off. Just take them off. I can hear good now. Yeah, you can go without them. It's yeah. all right if you can't hear with them. I can hear. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So Pete and Drew Abel in studio with us. Before we get to talking to them, let's let's definitely uh, mention our uh, sponsors here. Uh, first and foremost, um, in the FastLaneProductions dot com. It is the place to go to make sure that you can catch all of the weekly racing action at Brownstown Speedway. Make sure you get a premium account. I know they've had the site down a little bit here over the winter. Uh, working on it to make it a, a more user-friendly site. So continue to look out for their updates to make sure you get a premium subscription to InTheFastLaneProductions.com. Our next sponsor is going to be Schaefer Photo and Custom Tees. Uh, Schaefer Photo and Custom Tees is a place for any race fan to get your racing memorabilia. Mark and Jamie Schaefer will work to make whatever custom photo product you would like, from prints, keychains, magnets, buttons, and much more. Stop by the Schaefer Photo and Custom Tees booth and let Bronze Bobby, Bobby know what you can, they can do for you during the racing season. Also, Brownstown Speedway uh, season opening up here in March, and uh, coming up right off the bat, uh, March 16th will be the Indiana Icebreaker, and then March 22nd, the All-In 25, and then the next day, the No Way Out 40 on March 23rd. Two complete shows on those nights, so three big shows right off the bat there to start the season out for Brownstown Speedway. And Miller's Termite and Pest Control, uh, don't get roped into contracts or high prices with the big companies. Reach out to someone who cares about you. Uh, reach out to them on Facebook at Miller's Termite and Pest Control. Email at pest underscore n underscore peace at yahoo.com or by phone at 812-767-5657. Also, P3 Graphics is one of Indiana's premier suppliers for motorsports wraps and apparel. P3 Graphics offers great pricing along with some of the best customer service in the industry. Give them a try on your next project, and you won't be sorry. Contact them via email, phone, or on Facebook at the P3 Graphics page. Find out more at p3graphics.com. One of our newer sponsors, Gilpin Electric and Generator Services. Gilpin Electric and Generator Services is a customer-first company that takes care of all your electric and generator needs. They're your go-to dealer, installer, and generator service company. Don't be stuck without power during severe weather this year. Contact Gilpin Electric and Generator Services on Facebook or call them at 812-953-1261. And Tommy Taylor, Indiana Farm Bureau Insurance. Tommy is an agent at Indiana Farm Bureau Insurance and can provide you with auto, home, life, commercial, and farm insurance. He does it with a personal touch that you just can't get with other insurance companies. For any insurance needs you may have, reach out to Tommy. 
he has the capability to provide you with the right amount of coverage. Brad Irwin Customs. Contact Brad Irwin Customs for bodies, interiors, fab work, setup, and consulting. With Brad Irwin Customs, you can stick them deeper. Give Brad a call today at 812-216-3900. All right. Well, gentlemen, sorry for all the technical difficulties, but welcome to Throttled Up the Podcast. Thanks for having us. Thanks again. And uh, I'll be honest, this is an exciting night for me because um, I lean a little bit more to the sprint cars and I sit here with Matt and all these late model guys and have to talk about late models all the time. And so it's really, really nice to have a couple open wheel guys on the show. Well, we, we thought maybe you guys were slumming tonight and just didn't have nothing to talk about tonight because you brought the sprint cars in tonight instead of the late model stuff because I've watched this a lot, you know, and I've, I've seen a lot of late models, pure stocks and all them guys and had a good time watching your program. And uh, when uh, I picked him up, I said, man, they must be just bottom of the bucket tonight having us. No, the last time we had somebody in open wheel – Matt came down mysteriously sick, and we called it the open wheel flu. So I've been worried that he might he might catch it long term. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, speaking of Caleb, he's driving a late model this year. Yeah, he? yeah, he's he's went so to the dark right. side he as well. Over. Hey, and Drew drove one uh, last year at the end of the season. He drove one. He practiced one at Twin City. So <laughs> I thought I was about switching over, but uh, not not yet. Let Let me just jump off right there because you know, and and I'll I'll come back to you, Drew, but Pete. You raced several different things. I mean, you raced motorcycles to start, I believe, right. and then midgets and then sprints. Why did you go that direction than some of the other options you had? Well, when I started motorcycles, you know, I had a motorcycle shop. But before I had a motorcycle shop, I raced and, and uh, uh, had a lot of fun and got going on it pretty good. And uh, raced uh, motorcycles for 10, 12 years, motocross and hair scrambles. and Won a, a lot of titles, different titles in the motorcycle deal. Then I got too old and fat to ride motorcycles. I thought, what do I do? And my buddy, Alan Barr, which he's a household name with sprint cars. Oh, yeah. He's one of the legends mm-hmm. of sprint car racing. He, he's the one that's got me started in motorcycles. He, he, he taught my dad into doing all that. And, and uh, we went that direction. And then I got following him when he was driving sprint cars. I said, man, I might want to try that. And he said, well, you might want to try something a little smaller first. So I got a TQ midget. And. I went through a couple years of TQ midgets, and I kind of outgrew those too. So uh, then I went to the sprint car deal, which he helped me tremendously getting started in sprint cars, him and uh, Marshall Campbell out of Ohio. So um, we went that route, and I just I got into sprint cars, and I, I just loved it. You know, it was just it was just a big bike for me to get in there and hit every race I could. I, I thought at one time, if I couldn't go to that race, they couldn't have it because I wasn't there, you know. So, you know, it was just like we, we raced three nights a week just to, just to stay active, you know, and, and it was a lot of fun. And I just caught the bug and just kept at it for several years. Pete, while, while we're here at the beginning, let's uh, go back to your TQ days and uh, tell everybody about your Chili Bowl experience you had. You know, not a lot of people around Indiana have actually got to – you know, race with the Chili Bowl at all. So I know. Well, I was running TQs, which uh, Bob Lowe, he was uh, the owner of the midget I drove that uh, Rich Vogler drove for him, and um, uh, uh, Tony Bettenhausen drove it too. And and uh, he had uh, the first first year of the Chili Bowl, which was 87, was going out, and, 
And a week before that, Vogler was going to drive the midget out there for him. Well, Vogler couldn't be there the first night. So he had to get the car in the show for Saturday night. So he asked me, he says, you know, he says, you've been wanting to drive my midget forever. He says, uh, you, you want to try it? And I said, yeah, I'd love to try it. But I said, I don't think you want me out there because I'll never grow anything like that. And he said, no, you'll do fine. He says, so I went out and, and we went out on a, a Wednesday. We took my truck trailer and his tools and his car and went out there. And, uh, that, that Friday night, uh, I got qualified. We ran seventh in, uh, the night before the big race and that got Bogler into the race. So, uh, it was a big honor to do that. I, it was a lot of fun and being the first one ever, you know, and, uh, and especially being the, the guy to get Rich Vogler in the race, oh, yeah. which, which he went on to win that night. And that was a whole different story. Um, he won that night and, uh, the last lap, uh, Steve Knepper was leading and, um, uh, Rich flipped him going down the back straightaway. So after the race, you know, they did all their ceremonies and all that stuff. We're sitting in a trailer, my trailer, not Rich's or Bob's. And people are coming in there and they're getting this lady come in there and got Rich's autograph. And uh, he took, she took it and she just wadded it up and threw it at him. I thought, boy, this will be fun getting out of here, you know, because people are just because Steve Knapper was around from Tulsa. I mean, he was a hometown boy. And, uh, I was young and like I said, it was my trailer and we get all packed up and I looked out there and all the police officers were out there. I thought, Oh boy, what's, what's going on with all the police. So I asked, uh, uh, Emmett Hahn, I said, well, what's with all the police guys around the trailer? He says, uh, I guarantee you, Pete, you're going to need that police escort out of here. And, uh, so we pulled out of the chili bowl out, and it was like six inches of snow. And when we pulled out there, all you could hear, it, it sounded like hail hitting my trailer. But it wasn't. It was baseball, bath, beer cans, and whatever else because they hated Rich Vogler because he flipped Steve Knepper. But uh, they escorted us out of town about 12 miles to the interstate. And we got on the interstate, and they went their way, and we went our way. But uh, I never will forget that, you know, uh, him winning that and tearing up my trailer and everything else, you know. But it was uh, – it was uh, a good opportunity to to run his midget out there. Now, did you have your own car out there too, or did you just go out there to qualify? No, no, race? these these were full size midgets. I had a TQ, which okay. TQ just had seven fifty motors and right. motorcycle motors. So, mm-hmm. you know, I went up a step, you know, to to drive a midget, which was the back then the the big motor was the Autocraft, which was a VW right. motor in there. And boy, it was a, a fine thing to drive. I mean, it was just smooth powered, a lot of power. And I'd never had anything like, you know, it really wet my lips up to get in my sprint car then, you know. The, the Chili Bowl track is so small. Did you feel you just constantly in the corner? Did you notice the straightaway at all on the track when you was out there in that? Okay. I learned this this week, and this has been, I don't know how many years ago, but the first few years of the Chili Bowl, the track was turned the other way opposite of what it's turned now oh really yeah so the straightaways were really short oh wow you know the track was a lot shorter but the the track was you know in a 90 degree it it wasn't the big length that they have now really i didn't know that either yeah i didn't either and i i you know it's been so long ago i didn't really pay any attention but yeah it's 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 a lot different you have ever any desire to ever go back and try it again after that first year no 
Nothing uh, at all. I mean, I would love to, and I would have done it because I was young, and I would have done it, but just never got the opportunity. And I didn't have a midget, and right. then you know, and the, you know, Bob always had rich drive for him, so you know, and that was a combination. You know, that's like a Keith Koontz motorsports deal. You know, when you seen Keith Koontz pull up, they're on a win. Well, back in when you seen Bob Lowe, Rich Vogler pull up, you knew they was on a win. And then Bob Lowe, he's the one lived. You used to live there on Highway 7, right, before you got to Elizabethtown, right? Uh, no, he lived in uh, Westport. Okay. He lived right okay. there in Westport. So I know there was a Lowe that lived there that was big into racing at one time. Uh, that was Ringo Lowe. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he was in the TQs. But oh, Bob, okay. Bob Lowe built the TQs, and Ringo Lowe, just the same, they just had the same name, you know, and everybody got them mixed up. But. How many years did you race the TQs for? you went up to the, the full-size sprint? Two years. Two years? Two years, and uh, my uh, – well, the end of my second year, I hooked up with um, Gary Hill that had ABC concrete cutting. Yeah. And Alan Barr drove the race car forever. And um, uh, Alan and Russell Waltz, a good friend of mine, they got me set up to drive Gary Hill's uh, sprint car. Now, I'd go out and get sponsorship, money, and all that stuff, you know, do oh, my yeah. deed. But uh, we ran for about, I don't know, half a year together and just – me starting out, they didn't have the big motors and uh, real good motors wouldn't stay together. And we blew a lot of motors up and stuff. And uh, I kind of got fed up with it. And so I bought my own stuff and started out from then. And your 04, that's that's your old uh, motorcycle, motorcycle number. Yeah, yeah, that's how that came. That's what I thought. Drew, what got you started? Well, Dad had a, uh, a uh, motorcycle shop there in Columbus. And, uh, I think it was three or four. It was, uh, you know, I, I remember it to this day. It was uh, snowy out, and uh, mom and dad, they had this motorcycle. It wasn't on training wheels. I think I could ride a bike by then, but uh, they just had me out in the snow. I was riding the riding the motorcycle, and uh, it just, you know, the the bug got me that day, and here I am now. So, so you went motorcycles to go karts? I went for motorcycles. I I ran motorcycles when I was. I could I could start racing them when I was five. Ran five till I was twelve, and then I started racing go karts. Ran go karts till I was probably, uh, I think twenty two, twenty three, and then twenty six. I I uh, got a ride with the Hirsch brothers, and then uh, we we did a year with them, and then like Dad did, you know, we we got our own stuff, and and uh, nine years later, here we are again. So. Do, you, do you guys like running your own stuff? I mean, I know the money is hard because you got to come up with you know, yourself there, but that yes. way you guys can do what you want to do with it when it's your own stuff. Right. We're not, you know, we don't have somebody telling us what to do now. Right. You're, you're more, you, you think about a lot whenever you're driving for somebody, you don't want to tear their stuff up. I'd rather tear dad's stuff up than, than <laughs> and he don't mind that at all. He does not, he, you know, he don't care about tearing my stuff up. No worry whatsoever. <laughs> None whatsoever. I mean, you know, he, he he tear up well, yeah, he uh, Hurst brother, brother stuff, and he'd thank him and, and and say I'm sorry and stuff and all that. I don't hear none of that. You know, <laughs> you probably only hear can it be ready for next? Yeah, week? can we get it ready tonight for tomorrow night? You know, and it, it's you know it's it's different there, but you know we have fun. Well, Drew, almost the one thing that I think you got going for you is you know I've hung out in your guys's race shop, and your dad is a perfectionist when it comes to the race car, and uh, you know that has to be a positive that you know when you climb down in it that. You know, everything's been checked, everything's been torqued, everything's exactly the way it's supposed to be. And Oh, yeah. I mean, I go out there, there's no worries. I know everything's tight. So, yeah. 
Our biggest tra- our biggest problem is getting the thing in the trailer and out of the trailer oh. without tearing up. We had the damnedest time getting that thing in the trailer because <laughs> just the way we have to park and stuff. I mean, if we can get it in the trailer, you the first good. time, the first the first jaunt to get it in the trailer. If we can get it in there the first time, we're golden. Uh, you've never been to the race shop, Dustin. Uh, but I think it's a trick for you guys just to get the trailer to the race shop. Yeah, it's, it's oh, a little yeah, bit of a trick. Yeah, it's. So, Drew, did you ever consider anything else other than, than, I mean, obviously you did the go-karts, but when you made the jump, was it always going to be sprint cars? Uh, you know, I, I never thought I would make the jump to sprint cars. Like I, like I told you guys earlier, I was 16, and uh, I was I was chomping at the bit when, you know, my dad was said he was going to stop step away. I was like, hey, you know, here's my opportunity. I'm going to jump. That 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 uh that that kind of went to the waistline. He ended up buying a boat and went. You know, he was a boatman, so <laughs> I had to wait ten years, twelve years afterwards. And and uh, yeah, I, I always wanted to run sprint cars, but like I said, uh, I always thought I was going to be uh, you know the go kart guy. So, Pete, did it ever cross your mind when he was sixteen that that maybe you should have put him in that car at that point? Or I thought about it a little bit, and I thought about my wallet. We were, I thought, boy, a boat would boat? be a lot cheaper. I ran a, and, uh, I ran a Kenyan Midget, and he ran a sprint car at Fun Fest. I, I was 16, and it was his last race. And uh, I ended up I, – I think I had fast time and won the heat race. Didn't do so hot in the feature. I think I ran like seventh or eighth, but still. I was like, eh, you know. I've I shown him something. I showed him, showed him a little bit. Yeah, that caught know. him the bug a little bit right there. <laughs> then he had to go sell everything. I was man, this just sucks. I mean, they say that the best two days in a boat owner's life is the day they buy it and the day they sell it. Exactly. But I'll tell you what, uh, we had some good boating days, you know. You know what uh, boat stands for, right? Bust out another thousand. Yeah. We, we, did, we had a lot of good times in Lake Cumberland. And a bunch of us went down there, you know, every weekend, and it, it was just relaxing. And I missed racing. But the guys I was boating with, John Leach, which he – He's on. Oh, he's on. on. He, he – him and I and Drew and all of us, we, when we, he started go-karting, we was all like a family there, but we was a family boating too, you know, and, and some of the crap we did that people, I mean, you we, know, you tell people the stuff you did on the lake and people wouldn't believe it because it was just stupid <laughs> stuff that we did, you know. Well, I've been around leached enough to know that you just believe it because. <laughs> right, exactly. Everybody knows John Leach. I've been around Pete enough to know that too. But, so. but we had some awful good times. And then, like I said, when he, he got into go-kart and he was wanting to do some kind of race, and I said, he said, you want to do something? And I had no money behind him on go-karts. Well, there, there, was a lot, there was a lot of times I ended up hooking, hooking up with a guy in North Vernon, Georgia. I ran for him for a year. And then uh, there's a guy out of uh, in Indianapolis, uh, Tim Wilkerson. We ended up racing together for six or seven years. And, and, and that's funny you said it because Wilkerson, we went to uh, Tulsa. You know, they got the Tulsa shootout before uh, – uh, the chili bowl yeah. Yeah. and drew and uh, us and wilkerson's we took wilkerson which he had everything he had fancy motor home trailers and four or five go-karts he had the best everything so we took him out there to tulsa and it's uh jamie farrell he'd never been beaten two cycle track uh race uh two cycle engine he was, he was number there. one in the nation right and we went out there and drew got to got to lead and we had a half a lap lead on jamie farrell i mean just walking the dog and he i don't want to happen oh the tire it rolled was one off of, the it front was one of the wheel. deals where i i had ran an open class 
and we had two carts. Well, we didn't have the we didn't have spare another set of spare tires, <laughs> so we had to run the same set that we ran for the open tire. Well, I, I don't know what happened. Just one of them freak deals. So I, the uh, wheel rolled off. Yeah, the, the rim. wheel rolled off the rim coming out of uh, coming out of two. I mean, if it would have just you know lasted another half lap, half lap. I would have been. You know, it'd have been. Awesome. But I've never seen a go kart twist so bad. And he did thank, thank and sorry that guy for tearing up his go kart too. By the way. Oh, did he? Oh, yeah. But, <laughs> but but he's never done that to you, huh? No, never. No. <laughs> I can see where this is going, Drew. <laughs> oh, you know, he he has spent you know a few dollars on me through you know the thirty four years that I've been around. So, Pete, when when you was racing sprint cars, uh, he was racing. Jeff Gordon, Tony Stewart, they were all racing. Uh, Tony wasn't racing yet. Tony, Tony come in. I'm, I'm not for sure. 98, 99, maybe. I'd, I'd already quit. Okay. But uh, Jeff, you know, Jeff and I, we've become very good friends. And his dad, uh, John Bickford, and I really hit it off. And he, had, he took care of me just as good as he did Jeff. But Jeff had talent, and I didn't. And uh, but we went, you know, it, we went to Chicago one time and. Jeff's car, they couldn't get the motor to run. Something happened to it. And I, I was meeting them up in Pittsburgh at their house, and we was going to just follow each other to the race in Chicago at uh, Chicagoland. And uh, it was funny, and I remember just like it was yesterday, you know, Jeff, about four foot tall, you know, a little skinny guy, and he's sitting in between me and his stepdad in front of my dueling. We're going to Chicagoland because his dad's going to go help me. You know, it's just <laughs> funny how things like that happen. And, and today, when I see John Bickford, he comes up, hugs me, and everything like I'm a kid, you know. I always thought it was cool. I, it was early 90s, late 90s, when I, we were at Bloomington, and he was there one time. And uh, my mom took me up there to go see him. And uh, he actually pulled us to the to the side and talked to me for probably 10 minutes. Well, you know, Jeff Gordon, he was my oh, yeah. idol yeah. back whenever I was a kid. So I was just on cloud nine. I was like, man, this is so cool. Oh, yeah. and, and, I mean, he was he, – he, he for with kids. I mean, he he did really, really, really good job with uh, talking to young kids. So. For anyone listening, though, you ran a lot of wing sprint cars back when you raced. You, you ran more wing than you did non wing. Right? Yeah, the, like the last last three or four years, we ran non wing because everything in Indiana went non wing. Right. But yeah, everything we did was mostly winged. And Pete, I'm going to ask you this because I I know what you just said, but I also know that's ridiculous that. Gordon had talent and you didn't. Um, what is how big do you think that gap is between those guys that make it to that next level? And I know it's a whole different ball game now, so we're not going to talk about the guys now and the money and all that. But back when you were racing, what was that difference for like a guy like Gordon to get to that that NASCAR level or the IndyCar level? I, I think it's a lot of the wrench, the guy doing the wrenches. It, you know. Uh, like John, he just knew – he was a Carl Kinzer. You know, he just knew what that car would do, you know. Um, he knew how to make the adjustments, and everybody tried to figure out what he did, you know. But he he was just so sharp, and, and you know, Jeff was sharp too. But but uh, it's, it was money too back then, not as much money as it is today. But uh, the the – people behind the scenes it was a lot of people behind the scenes you know making the right right calls on the dirt you know 
Who were some other people you really enjoyed racing with? I mean, you had pretty much all the Kinsers back then. Well, yeah, Randy and I, we were best buddies racing. And, and you know, Friday nights we'd go to Bloomington race, and which everybody knows me. I drank a lot of beer, and so did Randy, and so did Steve and all. But oh, Randy yeah. and I, we, we, we were good buddies. But we'd go over to his house and drink beer after the races Friday night. And uh, then Saturday we'd all meet Lawrenceburg, run to Lawrenceburg Saturday night. Well, Randy and them would come to our house and stay Saturday night because we'd go to Hobstadt every Sunday night. Yeah. So we'd race in three nights a week. So they'd come and it was just a big family, you know, and Bob Mahalia, you know, they was just family, you know, and uh, we had a lot of good times. Who's been your most favorite guy to race against, Drew? I mean, there's, I mean, there's a lot of them. Um, I would say probably, you know, I always looked up to Levi Jones um whenever i first started the first oh, yeah. couple years I, I got to run a few races with him uh you know him being a multi uh, champion and running for tony stewart which is one of my idols too you know that was that was one of the the bigger guys um uh, i'll tell you a guy a guy that really surprised me is teammates thomas oh, yes. <laughs> we're, we're at eldor i took drew to eldor and uh He'd never been to Eldor before in his life, and, and oh, he went out. Hold on a second. Hey, I'm talking. So when we when we get over there, <laughs> I'm so I'm so nervous just because of you know what what that track, who's all been at that track. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. it was I mean it was amazing. But anyway, we go out and win the heat race, and we get ready. And no, it was hot laps, and uh, guy would just spin. We just can't get a. a a feel for the racetrack because it's hard slick, you know, and it's just different, big, wide. And then I'm working on the car and, uh, all of a sudden I look behind the car and there's T-Mess. What's he doing around my race car? Well, he took a likings to Drew for some reason and knew Drew could drive a race car. Well, he was over there trying to set that car up so he could drive it. And he come over and like I said, we went out and won the heat race and, and, uh, won the feet or didn't win the feature, but no. we ran what seventh or eighth in the feature. But, but you know, it's just something like this. You know, T Maz, he was always a, a hot shoe, you know. And I'd never talked to him a day in my life, but he just, you know, it's a how he just he liked Drew. He said, I said, What are you doing, T Maz? He said, Well, I come over to help Drew get this pig running around this racetrack. I said, Well, thanks. You know, you know, we've talked about that on here, though. It is amazing kind of how that happens in the pits at the racetrack. And as a fan, when you're just sitting in there, you don't always see that. that right. A, you know, a guy that's a competitor that they they constantly will come over and try and help right. guys right. Yeah. You know, get better and compete and do those kind of things. That's like we, you know, we tell people, uh, you know, our, our trailer's open. If you need anything, you break down or whatever. I mean, you don't want to, you don't want to beat somebody that, because of a parts failure, you know, you know before a feature, you, you, you just, you, you don't roll like that. No, have you ran any any wing stuff, or are you all non-wing? <laughs> that look tells everything. Yeah. So there's been a few times where I've told Dad, "Hey, won't we get a wing car?" Well, you know, we don't have the motor for it. Well, I like to get a wing car, but you know, traveling, you've got to travel so so much right. farther. And I'm not big on two hours is about enough for me. I'm I'm not a, I'm not a big traveler. I like to you know go race come back home with kids and all that stuff so i mean I, I would i would love to you know try a wing car i i had an opportunity last year but uh it was with the hirsch brothers but they had some motor 
motor failures the night before, so I ended up, you know, I, I sidelined for that night. But so you've never even tried a wing car then? No, never have. Well, how much of a difference was it when you went from running wings all time to running a non-wing? Did you have to change your driving style because the wing wasn't catching you anymore? Yeah, or? it's like driving a car with studs and the tires on ice, and then you take them studs away. Oh, really? It's that yeah. big of a difference? Oh, yeah, it's a big difference. You, you know, the wing cars, you drive them. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I respect everything that they do. But when you take that wing off, it's a whole different animal. Wow. I didn't think. It, I mean, I knew it'd make a difference, but I didn't think it'd be that. Yeah, big of a difference. no, it's a big, big difference. Pete, with your with your entire career, what is what's your favorite win or or your your most prestigious thing when you look back that my, you my, really think memorable? My biggest win was uh, winning the Jeff Thixton Memorial at Lawrenceburg Speedway and beating Jack Hewitt. That was a big win, and and Leon Thixton and I were. He, he's a great friend of mine, and to win it, and it, it under his son's honor, you know, was just a great deal. Hmm. Now you're in the Hall of Fame down at Orangeburg, right? Yeah, two years ago. I got that's that's why I thought yeah. they put you in the Hall yeah. of Fame down there. So, yeah. What's your favorite win so far, Drew? Well, I'd like to get there. <laughs> 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 no, I mean, I've, I've, I've won heat races. Uh, I've been real close, you know, in the feature. Uh, ran, I think, what? couple two three years ago we ran second eight times in one year i mean it's just it's it's there i just i and can't you, capitalize on it i guess and you chased that boss series what one or two years there didn't you no we we ran a few races but oh, i thought I, you guys I, actually I, went no no they travel so you know it's ohio they go yeah, they, they go it, pennsylvania and it's a great tracks. series though don't get me wrong oh, yeah, if, we, if we could we would but it's just you know five six hour drives for us you know but anytime they're close, we tried to get – we didn't so much this year, but – We tried you know, to go one time. Yeah, we tried to. We got almost yeah, we got the burn house. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's a great series. And, Drew, when you talk about, you know, you running second all the time, when you go back and you look at that race or those races and and – what do you what do you look at to adjust to to try and come back? Because I know I've asked a lot of the drivers that have come on. You don't want to make a ton of changes and throw big changes at your driving style or the car. So what what in your mind do you think is that next step you have to take? I don't think it's so much the car. I think it's me as in, you know, a driver you, you've got you're thinking, you know, I've got two, three laps left. I've got what do I need to do different? Well, you do you do something different. Maybe you shouldn't have done it. You should have just kept your line, and you know you would have probably blown past that guy a, a lap or two before you know the the race was over. I just think when you're in that car, you you're thinking so much. You just overthink overthink things, and you know that's 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 my problem I, I I've got right now. So with all the with all the adjustments you have in the cockpit, oh, do you think you over adjust there too? Sometimes no, you can forget that. Just when he gets in that car. I mean, he. I tell him he can tell me to do. He can tell me he won't do something. Oh, really? Yeah, I'll do it. But then he can tell me something on a yellow flag, and I think a few times he's heard me. You know, he's not nice either. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, there's just you know, being a young driver, there's you know, shocks are just ungodly to try to learn. I've been at it for. 30 years i still have a trouble with them you know i mean and then you take somebody six seven years experience and give them shocks and try to tell them what to do 
it's it's an art. You know, you got to really understand shocks, and he's, he's, got getting, one on each there. he's getting there. Yeah, he's I mean, getting you, there. you can make that thing if it, but if, if you go the right way, you can make it something. But if you go the wrong way, oh my god, really you're just holding on for dear life till that checkered flag. I mean, now, are you able to adjust it all over under the green, or do you have to wait until a, a caution to you, do? It? You can, but I mean, I mean, it, it it takes a little while. I mean, it it takes a while to you know. Because you with need a to shock, be. you know, if you're going down straightaway 100 mile an hour, and you can't just adjust one shock, you got to adjust two shocks. Oh, uh, really? On the yeah. big, on the bigger track, you're fine. But say Bloomington, uh, it's the the track's so small, it doesn't look small from you know the, right. the stands. But everything's just going so. And normally, all the tracks, you, you're everything's so slow. But Bloomington, for some reason, everything's just it just goes so much quicker. And well, it's, it's not real wide, so I'm no, sure that no, and you know, that no. Definitely not. You gotta you gotta either pass getting in or getting out. I mean, there's no passing and going down the straightaway because yeah, there's just, not much no, of a straightaway no, at all. You're no, you're more in a slide the whole way around right. that joint. Narrow yeah. track, you know, it's two cars wide, and that's oh, that's yeah. it. You know, maybe you know after the lip you but, put up on the right. outside. If you look up on the hill and you look at that track, it looks wide, but you get on that, <laughs> it's not. No, it's really like how am I gonna pass a car? You know. And Pete, what do you think from your time? I know you talk about shocks. What what is the biggest technological advancement that you see in the cars? Is it the shocks and that? Oh yeah, the shock. The shocks are the biggest part. You know, the shocks have come so far in the last six, seven years. It's unbelievable. Uh, you know, we got the gas shocks or cockpit adjustable. Back when I ran, they was oil based shocks. Not you couldn't adjust them in your cockpit. You had to, you know. Usually yeah, put a whole nother set of shock on. Yeah, you changed yeah. the shock. Yeah. Well, you know, when I first quit, you know, they got where they was adjustable shocks, but you had to do them on the shock, you know. So instead of having 20 shocks, you still had just four shocks, but and you could adjust them, but, but you, you had to do it inside the cockpit. Now, I'm going to ask this, and Drew, I don't want you to take any offense to this because I'm going to ask Pete you, but do you think some of that hurts young drivers because they can – and I know – Drew, you said you don't do a whole lot of adjusting, but do you think it hurts young drivers to have all that ability to adjust in the car, Pete, yes. and not not learn to just feel it better right, more? Right. I, you know, I'd like to see him. You know, last year uh, USAC did without the adjustable shocks, so they kind of went back to old school. But the shocks are so much better. So the driver, it took all the driver's ability away from them to make the car right. So when they push off, that's what they had. They couldn't make it any better. I wish they'd go back to just oil-based shocks, get rid of the gas shocks, just like the World Outlaws. You know, they're on the It'd save quite a bit of money, too, wouldn't it? Well, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you take a, a World Outlaw shock, I, I don't know exactly the price, but, I, you know, $150 shock, where the new shocks are $700 a piece. Right. You know, it's just uh, – Put it back in the driver's hands and just let the drivers drive what they have when they push off, you know. Do you think all the technology and the shocks that was taking a driver that might have been mid-pack to a last-place driver and putting him more toward the front because he can make the car work for him a little better, or do you think it still lays in the driver a lot? It still lays in the driver a lot, it? But, but it sure does help if you can understand them shocks. And, Drew, I'm going to ask you kind of the same question. Do you think it – it can it can hurt a young driver. Like I said, I don't want you to take any offense that you have it, but because it's a technology that's out there. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, if if you understand shocks, then you know you you you've got it made. Like I've told him a few times, I, I need to I need I need to take some classes and you know learning learning how the shock works. 
because I mean, there's sometimes where I'm out to lunch, I'm 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 sitting there just dialing it in. You're just throwing darts and, and hoping like, something sticks. Right. Something happens. But you know, but you can take an experienced driver and you can see them in a yellow flag and be running up front, and they go the wrong way, and oh, you yeah. see them freight train oh, to yeah. the back real quick, and they make the wrong adjustment. You know, so you know, it's just. Not the rookies, is some of the experienced guys. They have trouble with them too. That amazes me. You know, like our our personal cars. That shock just keeps it. You know, we hit these Indiana potholes. That, you know, don't knock us off the road as bad. And a I mean, guy, a guy told me that, uh, and I'm not going to mention the name, but he's he he's he's uh, he's very well known around here. And uh, he drove for a guy, and the guy they were having truck sh- uh, shock trouble. They could never get the car just right for him. And so the guy, what he did was on the shock adjusters in, in, the, in the, the cab, he unhooked them on the shock so he could spin the knobs. But it wasn't doing anything. But it wasn't doing nothing. And the guy went out and won, and he told that his car owner, he says, that's the best I've ever had that car. He says, it's all on how I adjust them shocks. You weren't getting those shocks adjusted right. And, and he was just turning the knob. It was all well, up in here in his head. Yeah. And, you know, it was just a big joke for him. He just, like, died laughing. And, and he told the driver, he said, you know, go spin that again. Let's see how it's done. And, and he showed him, he said, you know, it's all up here. He says, you never turned a shot. And I think that's, you know, I think that, and I've never drove, so I'm I'm obviously, my, my opinion won't matter a whole lot. But I would think that's what I would look to, too, is, is instead of trying to feel it out or look at my lines, I would think, how can I make this the shock adjustment mm-hmm. where I can run what I r- want to run the right way? And I think that I, that's what I've always wondered is if, if it could kind of hurt guys instead of, you know, adjusting my driving style to, to get right. me where I need to be. Right. So. And the guy, the guy that won the race, he's good at adjusting his driving style. Oh, is he? Oh, yeah. Go ahead. So what's, give me a highlight, something, another highlight you guys have had. Well. I don't know. I live a pretty boring life anymore, you know. Um, I don't know. We're just trying to get everything ready for this next coming season. Uh, me and my buddy, Mike Pettigrew, we're getting ready to go to Florida. And I, and I go you guys go every year? Every yeah. year down to Ocala. We're going to go a little longer. We're going to go down and watch midgets race this year and then watch sprint cars. You learn a lot there first season, see what they're doing and stuff. So we're excited about going down there for 10 or 12 days and kind of hang out and and watch and help whoever we can, you know, and, uh, we'll do that and come back and then get ready for the 2019 season. So what's your guys' plans for the 2019 season? You know, we really haven't talked about it. Um, you gonna race every week or just, I know your, your family's growing, so you've got, you're going to have some family, uh, the, responsibilities there that, uh, the, the family's definitely growing. Um, we're, we're adding again in, uh, May. So, uh, well, it'll be be our be my fourth one. So, uh, you know, we'll. I would say uh, the next two years will be kind of tough. We'll probably run, you know, twelve to fifteen races, and then after that, you know, we'll see where it goes from there. I would like to eventually, you know, run thirty to thirty-five races like we used to, but uh, realistically, right now, that that probably is not going to be able to happen. So, you know, I still want to be out there. I'm not done for, you know, I'm definitely not done. Uh, my wife knows that, you know, I. 
Uh, I'm a racer. I'm always going to have it in me. So, you know, if I'm, if I'm not racing, I'm going to be at the track. Right. Oh yeah. So I, I don't, I don't want to be that guy at the track. I want to be in the, that guy in the car. So I try, I try to get him go sometimes to the races. If, if we're not racing or something or late season races when it's cold out and stuff, I don't right. get into that cold stuff when I'm racing. And uh, I try to get him going. He said, dad, if I ain't racing, I ain't going. Yeah. Right? He won't go. Was it hard for you, Pete, when you quit racing to go to the racetrack for a while? and not race well when i quit i went boating so that got me away from the right. racing altogether period you know so i didn't miss it but you know i'd go one or two times a year and watch it and it, yeah it killed me but uh what about now i mean you've been out for a while now does it, does it bother you at all now not at all you know every once in a while my mind's saying that i can still do it but i know my body can't so but i know we talked before we went on air that uh, i think all of us would like to see you guys race each other one time there you said it'd be unfair because he's, you know, he's raced recently and you haven't raced right. for a while. So. Yeah, he'd be cheating. <laughs> I would like to see him in a car. I think we, if we did it, then we'd put both of you guys on old shocks. Take, take that old away. Old shocks, yeah. Take exactly. that away from him. And... <laughs> but, yeah. Then, like yeah. you'd have none. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and Drew, here's, I think here's the play. I think, you, I think you'd say we're going to run wing cars too. There, there then, you get then the wing. I'll, then I'll be way out to lunch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. most definitely. You get exactly. your wing car, and he he can get it back yeah. out. But, but I, you know, I really enjoyed wrenching them. Uh, you know, I wish me and Billy Moffat we talk a lot, and and back when I drove, you know, when I first started, I didn't know you squared up a car and all that stuff. I, you know, I'd fight like hell to put a birdcage on just to get everything <laughs> bent over enough to get. You know, everything yeah. up. now everything just flows together because we know how they're supposed to be. Back when I drove it. I didn't know all that, you know, and Billy and I, we talk all the time. So, you know, how many races would you have won if your car would have been put together? Right. Right. Cause we didn't have that. We, everything that I know I've learned. And so is Billy Moffat, you know, everything we've done, we've learned. And, uh, you know, I wish I could do that. And I'd like to drive a car again, just a, a car that's we'll right. Like he is. And just to see what driving a car that felt right really felt like. Mm-hmm. So that made you a better driver, though, because you had you had to overcome, right? Because the rear end was probably in it, you know. Oh, it was in a bind. Front end probably wasn't. Well, I knew the front end was squared up, but I, you know the rear end. I, yeah, you know, we did our best, but you mentioned Billy Moffat. I remember when uh, Rodney Reynolds had his race shop right next to my house. There, that was a bar. Well, pretty much with a race car in it, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we had uh, something to put our beer on. I. Uh, I worked nights in and went to bed one in the middle of the day. I'm sleeping and I kept hearing this great big crash outside. I couldn't figure out what this bang was. So I walk outside and Billy has the the front end bars off Rodney's sprint car, beating him against the telephone pole in my front yard, getting them straightened out. Uh-huh. You know, I'm like, what are you doing? And he'd just beat those. I don't even know what you call them. Drag links. Yeah. He'd beat those until they looked kind of straight and he'd put them back on the car. But, right. Uh, <laughs> Drew, you're shaking your head. Ain't how you do it? I don't think I'd want it on my car. He don't let me. Well, I used to do it, too. He won't let me do it to his. But I knew, you know. You well, know. It's sad money. Yeah. You don't use the the, uh, the telephone pole out front as a as a shop tool? No, we, we uh, call Indy Race Parts, and then we get we get uh, our shipment in the mail the next day. That's so. over. It's overnight. So. I'll just say, just put it on Dad's bill. Pete, the other part, you know, and – how how have you seen safety change from the time you race? Because I mean, I, and I not to you know make this turn to a negative point, but obviously there's been a lot of tragedy in the sprint car world. Right. But 
you know, I, I think that the negative to a lot of that is what people don't realize is these cards are probably safer than they've ever been, obviously. Yeah, the, the you know, the down tube brought a big safety factor to the, to the world of sprint cars, but uh, the helmets, the neck restraints that they run, the Hans device mm-hmm. now, and the seat's a big, big issue now, the full containment seats. Back when I drove, we'd have full containment seats. It was like, you know, my first race car I ever had had a fiberglass seat in it, and it was Zeus buttoned in, you know. Wow. You know, and now they got, you know, everything's bolted in, all wrapped around. You get the neck braces on both sides. Well, your belt's actually right. You can ratchet your belt down. Right yeah, right? he yeah. ratchets himself in. Used to, you just pull the driver in. You crash real hard. You're, you're going to suck out three to four inches, you yeah. know. And then you got, you know, you got your, the, the halo bars now. They, mm-hmm. Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad. You know, you can ask certain people. They some people don't like them, some people do. But you know, you're talking uh, the bar that runs across the top. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why? Why is that? Why do some like it and some don't? I, a lot of people I, say it stiffens up the chassis too much, it takes all the flex out of the chassis. But you know, the chassis, I think it's, it needs to be stiff so you know what the corners of the car is done. So I, I don't think it's a big deal. It's just whatever. People get used it's, to it. Yeah, well, a lot of people thought that the, the down tube stiffened the chassis, too. And it? it does, yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, the ones listening, the down tube goes from the top of the car down toward the front end. Front there. end, yes. So that, they used to not be there. And the cars really flex in. Uh, Reynolds and I had one back in uh, about 97. Was, they call it a non-down tube car. And, I mean, you could sit in a seat, and I could feel that thing flex and work. Oh, really? And it was the best race car we ever had. I mean, we won a lot of races with it. And uh, then... Um, they got destroyed, and then we couldn't get another non-down tube. And I don't even think nowadays you can run a non-down tube. I, I don't think they'll let you, you know, unless it's a vintage race or something. Right, right. Drew, so, Drew, Keith Sparkman wants me to ask you about the race you had with the JJ Hughes. Oh, that the uh, um, we had we had a pretty good run going on that night. Uh, JJ and I were back and forth. Uh, we were throwing sliders about every other lap, and uh, Coming to coming to the white flag, I think we were we were side by side going into one. I hit a hole and uh, turned over, and that was that was my night. Uh, that was uh, one of the one of the first races. I think about two years, three years ago, something like that. Um, I, something about that track at North Vernon we're we're really good at. Uh, I I really wish they'd run more sprint car stuff just because you know it's so close to home. But again, that's one of my favorite tracks. I, I like and I like doing, I like to do good in front of my hometown. So oh yeah, it's, it's one of them things where you go into you got pressure, and uh, sometimes whenever I put pressure on myself, I do do well. You know, and it's funny because he adapted to North Vernon, and it really runs well there. And North Vernon was my favorite track. I. Uh, we always had we didn't run that much there, but they always had fun fest there. But every time I went to that racetrack, I won <laughs> that that I raced except for one, and uh, I got spun out. But but you know it's just you always have that one track. It you just seems like it's just you know it's your home, right? Mm-hmm. And that place was my home, and it's been his home. You know, well, that's one of the tracks where we go there. We know that we're going to run top three, top five, and the last five years that the worst we ran was fifth so we we like we said you know he he adapted real well to it i've adapted real well to it he's got he's got a pretty good setup to go over there and try to chase for the win 
Drew, would you say that's your that that's your favorite track, or do you have one that you just really? I, I have a favorite track. I don't get to go there very often. Uh, Kokomo, if you've ever been there, mm-hmm. um, that that track is the baddest track, you know, ever in in Indiana. I just you know, something about being right on that cushion, right against that wall. It's you know, it's it's awesome. There's nothing like it. And that, that's a difference between Drew and I too. There's a big difference in our driving style. I always ran the bottom. Of the I was getting ready to bring that up. I, I always yeah. ran the bottom of the, the racetrack, and uh, he he has no patience, and he <laughs> cannot run the bottom of the racetrack for shit if it <laughs> saved his life. Yeah, he just can't. He's got it. You'll see him down there. I seen him one night. And he took off and he led the feature, and I told my buddy standing there, uh, Eric Zellner, which helped yeah. us. I told Eric, I said, he ain't gonna win this. He says. Yeah, he is. He's pulling away. I said, no, just give him a few laps. He said, why? I said, he won't stay on the bottom. He'll go to the top. And he did, and they passed him. You know, but he just he doesn't have. I don't have that patience. I can't I can't roll the bottom at 10 mile an hour. I just. It, it's not in his vocabulary. You just like to get up in the, in the top. I mean, and I'm trying to keep that momentum. Is that, you think that's from your go-karts? Because I mean, go-karts is, is a you momentum. You know what? I, I tell people all the time about the go-karts. The go-karts, I might as well just throw that go-kart out the window because I did not learn anything from go-karts to sprint car racing. I just didn't need it because, you know, go-kart, you carry momentum. Well, and the go-kart. And you drive it straight. The go-kart, you, the go-kart for the bottom, you, but. you do drive it straight. But, yeah, I just, the bottom, I'm just not good. Not good. Really? There. Let me ask you this then, Drew, because that's that's interesting. You say you don't think you, you, you learned anything from that. You you do learn. You, you learn how to, you know. Color the flags. No, you, you, <laughs> that's about it. Flag, no, you, you, you do learn. I mean, when I was younger, you know, you learn how to pass guys clean and all that. So that that, that right. Well, I mean, sprint car racing, you're so close. I mean, it's it's amazing how close you are. Your right rear to their, you know, left front. Um, it's just it it's crazy too how how many guys in the sport have respect for you that you know you can go race them every weekend you're going to race clean you're, you're not going to run them dirty but you're going to run them as hard as you can mm-hmm. my question though is you know i and we we were talking before we came on the show as you guys came in here to the studio and you know i've got a four-year-old and he's eight up i just saw him earlier behind you that he was peeking his head in through the window over here because anytime there's a race car driver here he's all he's all eight up um so he's he he loves all the drivers that come in what would you suggest for a kid? Would you put a kid if if you had a young driver? Would you put him through go karts again, or what would you? What do you think would be the answer? Well, I am going to have a young driver. I I don't know what he's going to run, but um, I think if I ever put him anything, I wouldn't put him in a go kart just because of the roll gauge thing. Mm-hmm. It's just not. I, I've I've been around it. Um, I would say for a parent, put him in an outlaw cart. Put him in uh, uh, a quarter midget. midget you know. Keep them safe. It yeah, really seems like that outlaw cart is, is really that, growing. The, out, the outlaw cart is very big in, uh, you know, Oklahoma, the California area. Um, they're actually in, in North Vernon over at the fairgrounds this year. They're going to start running them on, on Sundays. So, I think um, that's going to be a big plus. Uh, I think you're going to see, uh, mm-hmm. see some big-time midget drivers down there racing. I, oh, really? I think it's going to be a big deal for Sunday nights for people to go out and see. I, I think you're going to see – some of the big name guys come down and run their outlaw carts because there's not that many 
outlaw cart races right. around the state of Indiana, mm-hmm. Indiana, and then uh, Perry's doing that deal out of fairgrounds every Sunday night, and it's going to be great. I think it's going to be big. I think people ought to come out and watch I'd it. I'd be interested in running it a couple times. I mean, them things, I don't know if you guys have ever seen them. Oh, yeah. Them things. Dustin Carr's son, he races mm-hmm. an outlaw cart. I yeah, mean, them, them things, things are ungodly fast. Yeah. I mean, they're just and it, they're it, fun it, to watch. And them teaches your kid how to race. I mean, it's back and forth all the time. So, Well, I know I, I've, I've joked on here, and I've told Matt before, I, my wife didn't grow up around racing at all. Um, my wife grew up showing cattle, and I'm trying to keep from having to show cattle all summer long. I'm trying to get to the racetrack. So I'm pushing my son that direction. And uh, the first time I took her to the race was the, the uh, No Way Out, and – we're watching the sprint cars roll out, and I said, man, if he if he wanted to do something, this would be it. And it wasn't no faster than I said that, and somebody went tumbling down the back stretch, and she looked at me and said, you got to be kidding me. And I thought, <laughs> I thought just just get out and give us a thumbs up, please. Because yeah. it, and, I, and I get where she's coming from with it, but, you know, I, I that was my whole deal with the go-karts as well, is the, the fear of the no roll cage and just – you know, the injuries that could happen. I've just seen so many people, you know, they're they're crushing their legs or arms because they're 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 flipping over. So what's your first reaction? You're you're gonna either take your arm out there or you're gonna take your foot. So I mean it's just a bad deal. So I mean it, my kid, what I would do is definitely, you know, they'd have roll cage. Well you you brought that up, um Nick Magel has a picture of Dakota there with his arm. He's got his arm stuck out when he gets his bicycles. He was very lucky. Yeah, very I mean, lucky. he was had his arm out there. And, yeah, yeah. And what keeps you from – I mean, that is your reaction. What keeps you guys from – I know you guys have both tumbled. Apart. I, just what grew, I grew up the steering wheel and shut my eyes. That's all I do. Pete, what, what did you do? Just, I just, just I held the steering wheel. Just, you just wrote it out. Yeah, right? just, you know, hope you woke up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Coming up the 23rd of March, man, is a no way out. You going to make an attempt at it or? That uh, won't happen. He'll, he'll be in, he'll be in Florida. Florida. I'm in Florida. So you, you're not going to make him. He won't go race without me. I knew he said that yeah, earlier. Uh, I've always told him, I said, you know, take a car, truck, trailer. But uh, he just won't do it. We may, we, we may have to, you know, there, uh, we may have to go to that. But we'll, we'll just see. Eric Zellner, he's, he's coming back on board with us this year. So he, he was a good wrench for you. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, that guy's got a lot of talent. Yes. And, uh, he does not give himself any credit. No. But, uh, you know, that guy just lays awake and thinks about stuff. And he, he's really smart. And, uh, you know, this last year he had some health issues and he had to take some time off. But uh, he got all straightened back up. The last two races this year he come back on board to help us and stuff. But one race we got rained out and then we went to the Kokomo deal and, and had a little trouble there. Uh, not racing trouble, but he had to leave. And, uh, uh you know, it was all three rain out. So, you know, we never, and he had some new setups in the car that I thought was really going to work because he, he pays attention. And well, Eric, so Eric's race too. So I think, oh yeah, he's, and that's, he's won some and that's championships. A, that's, a, that's a big part with me. You know, listen to him. He's, he's always ran sprint cars, but Eric, you know, he's been behind the wheel. He knows what's going on. He definitely knows what's going on with them shocks. And when, when we, him and I were hooked up together, I mean, we were, we were good. It was a good deal. You and, know, I know Eric's raced uh, TQ, and uh, you know he's had some time in a late model himself, yeah. and you know, he's raced TQ about everything. Sprint cars. I mean, he's, yeah, he's raced about everything. He's done it. But you know, you go to the sprint car race, and it's me and him, and Eric's not there. I mean, it's too much for one guy to do. I mean, you cannot just do the tires, the chassis, the shocks, and make sure everything's just right. It takes two people, and Eric, you know, I could, I didn't have to worry about the car. 
we'd talk and he'd say what he's going to do and we'd agree he'd go do his deal you know and, and uh, i'd take care of the bleeders and the other stuff you know and and it, it was it was fun and it was really you didn't work your butt off you know and then maintenance maintenance too throughout yeah, the week he'd come he'd come down down house, house, yeah. I, he's working all the time so i'm taking care of the car and and it's hard for me to get down to the shop because I got I got the kids. I, I want to spend time with them. Oh yeah. But I mean, because I mean, it, it's all about me on the weekends. You know, it's not. It, it's it, it's it's bad to say that. That's how racing is. It's it's. And we've discussed that many times that, you know, yeah. when you decide to go racing, the family. Yeah. They have to decide that too. You know, even I don't race, but. You know, I'm every Saturday night at Brownstown to announce. So it's a, it's a big thing to have your family behind. You. And you my, my wife's definitely behind me. You know, I I. I don't give her much much credit than what you know. She deserves a lot of credit. She lets me, you know, go out and run every weekend. Where, you know, I I leave at ten o'clock in the morning and not home till two three o'clock in the morning the next day. Oh so, yeah, you know, she's got she's got all the babies and and it's hard to make family plans. Oh if, yeah, you know yeah. if well, I mean every weekend if you, if you're racing, there is no plans until right. the the winter time. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, that's that's funny because his, his mom. Uh, his mom didn't go a whole lot of races of his because I drug her all over the she country out. when I raced. You know, I had her on the road for motorcycles. I had her on the road for 35 years, you know, and we never had a weekend where we, let's go to Gatlinburg or something because that never happened. And she didn't even ask us. She did without a lot there in life of just getting out and seeing what she, her weekends was a dirt track, you mm -hmm. know, and his was too. When he was a kid, he, you know, oh, yeah. he, he was two weeks old. He was in motocross races and motorhome, you know, so, but just having good back backing from your family, that means a lot. And there's so many families out there, you know, their wives are pissed when they leave, you know, on Friday and they don't see them till Sunday. Well, you, you guys are a whole racing family. I mean, your daughter, Morgan, she's a right. monster energy girl. She travels with yeah. NASCAR and, yeah. you know, I've seen her, Several times in Victory Lane this year. Yeah, so. she goes to all the races and living the dream. I, I told her, I said, that's one kind of job I'd like to have, <laughs> you know, travel the country and just enjoy life. Boy, I'd like to see one of them NASCAR guys crawl out and you be in that monster energy get up outfit and you come up and hand them the, the trophy. I think that'd be a that, great That would be great, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Only if I could wear that little black suit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I would just love to see the look on some of them guys' faces yeah. when they got out. I tell you what, the, those NASCAR boys. I tell you what, the, I went to a few races this last three or four years. That Morgan's been uh, a monster girl, and and they really took her under their wing. And and she has a lot of good friends, and, and uh, they really watch after her. And, but those guys are hilarious. You know that you get them off camera, they are. They're just one of us. You know, Boyer has to be right there at the top. Oh yeah, because yeah. he's not too far. He don't hide much on camera, so I can't. Right. I can imagine he's how he is off camera. Yes. So one of the best ones with Boyer was a few years ago when he got wrecked out of one of the races at Charlotte, and he got home in time to get on Facebook Live and was drinking Bush Light and grilling steaks on the grill, watching the end of the race right. because he had been wrecked out. Right. He said, "I only lived down the road, so I would came right. home." Exactly. And he's on Facebook Live drinking beer and yeah. grilling steaks on his back porch, watching the end of the race. Yeah. So. Hey, before we end, though, Pete, there's one story I, that you got to tell for everybody, and that is the uh, you and Tony Stewart at the Steak and Shake. Man, you guys got you got to tell that story the, uh, with the waitress wanting autograph. Oh well, Reynolds was in on that. <laughs> uh, 
we went to a steak and shake here in Columbus. This is just when uh, Tony become famous. He he won a lot of Indy car races and stuff. And but he he just got his beginning, you know, and he's running really good. And we all went to steak and shake. Well, he's over there one night working on his midget. What we was doing, getting the TQ, getting him ready to race it. And we all decided to go get something to eat. So we went in there, and Tony he didn't have any money because he never has any money because he <laughs> just has card. But back then he didn't really have any money, and he had to go get some money. So we got in there, and the waitress come, and uh, Reynolds set him up to to uh, when the waitress commences because Tony was getting famous. Said, "Hey, you know, I need to get your autographs. There's a famous race car driver here." And Tony kind of shrugged up, her like, "You know, it's me." And he she turned around, and looked at me, and said, "Peach." She says, "Can I get your autograph?" And he liked the shit himself. <laughs> you know, but uh, it was a pretty fun night that night. <laughs> Uh, I don't even know where I was going to go after that. Joey Hartwell about. says, "What? Some wives get mad when their husband is gone at the race at the time of racing." So, well, I I believe mine, their tempers flare. Their tempers flare a little bit, you know. I believe Joe, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. I'm looking at the 19 door hanging here on my wall. I believe Mojo Investments is is Joe's wife. That's why Mojo Investments is on the side of the uh, the 19 of Marty O'Neill because of her investments to uh, the Hartwell Racing Group. So, yeah, Mojo Investments, don't call them for any uh, stock advice. <laughs> I'm going to give them credit, though. That's the first thing Marty says in Victory Lane. Mojo it, Investments, Mojo yeah. Investments, so. And, and Joe may correct me, but I'm pretty positive that's what Mojo Investments is. So um, so looking ahead to 2019, Drew, what's what what's your thoughts? What's your plans? Um, you know, We've already been there. <clears throat> well, I know you went through a little bit when I went to use the restroom. <laughs> Uh, probably, you know, run Twin Cities. I don't know how many races they're going to do. Uh, probably do, you know, a few Lawrenceburg races, and uh, we'll we'll, uh, we'll just, you know, Kokomo a few times. We haven't really we, we haven't really discussed schedule wise, so you know, it's still early. No one's really got any schedules out except for USAC guys. So you gonna try to go to Bloomington, any? Um, it would probably, you know, I I, I probably will. Um, it's easy for me to be able to to uh, get there, but I, I would say we'll probably hit it two or three times. Maybe we'll see. Cause I know that's Dustin's favorite track is one. Is it? So is it? Well, it's where I grew up. I grew up in Mitchell, Indiana and, and went there and I've said on here several times, my hero as a kid was Kevin Briscoe and uh-huh. watching him at Bloomington. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's just where we always went. We were always at Bloomington Speedway. And so that's what, you know, when Matt and I joke, I mean, Matt grew up going to Brownstown, so he's obviously a late model guy, but when you grew up going to Bloomington, the late models a beautiful place. They, they weren't a great, the late models weren't ever a great show at right, You wanted right. to watch the sprint cars right. when you went there. So, right. um, yeah, that's where I always grew up and, and was always a Briscoe fan growing up. And, and, uh, you know, he was right there in, in town at his dad's Briscoe mobile homes right. there. And, and, uh, that's what we've laughed before when the no way out was in, uh, Brownstown last year. And, Chase had the the red and white number five, the throwback car. Oh my god! Yeah. When yeah. I walked through pit lane and I saw it, I, it, I was like a kid. And he was kind of laughing at me because I didn't even want to cross back over and go over there. And I knew it wasn't, you know, Kevin wasn't driving it. Right. It was Brady, and but to see that car again like that, I mean, that was when I was a kid. That was <laughs> that was the pinnacle was seeing Kevin run that at, right. at Bloomington. Yeah. So, but yeah, um, which I don't the the whole Bloomington Speedway thing's a little bit confusing right now too what's going to happen with yeah that. i haven't even seen a schedule on them yet and everybody keeps saying it's sold but it's not sold it, it, 
I keep hearing that uh, the lady that owns the place or the people that own it, they're never going to sell. And it's going to stay Bloomington Speedway. And, and uh, I just I hope the last couple of years, the car count's been down bad there. But it's <laughs> but I think everywhere. Yeah. But I think their main deal was, you know, they drove from Indianapolis and they have to come down 37. And With 37. 69 and 37 was being worked. Oh, my God. Awful. I mean, people didn't want to sit in traffic for two hours. And they, and they just weren't driving the cars, I think. And I think that's their main problem. I think you'll see a big surprise in it this year. But then Paragon's coming on this year, mm-hmm. running on Friday nights. I don't know what's going to happen you know, there with two tracks on Friday night there, you know, that close together. Yeah. I would hate, I would hate to see anything happen to Bloomington. Speedway. Yeah, me I mean, too. it just, that yeah. is a, I mean, they fill that hill every Friday. I mean, it's, they don't get the car count, but they fill that hill. Oh yeah. The people yeah. will come out. There's yeah. no doubt. Yeah. I mean, that's, and like I said, that was an iconic place to go and watch yeah. sprint cars run. It's that is, that is it. So Drew, I do want to ask you this. Cause I know before we, we kind of got started, we had some technical difficulties. We talked about, you running a late model last year. Is there any intrigue at all? I hate to bring up the late model deal because we've had so much fun with sprint cars tonight, but but does it intrigue you at all? I mean, I... I'm looking for a hard no here. They're, they're, <laughs> they're very big. They're very big race cars. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I... I, I told I told Dad, you know, it might be something in the future that I would I would look at and maybe do. I, I ran one one time. I just right now definitely it's it's not it's not my time yet. When when it is, I, I would like to I, I would like to run uh, that Ted Collins uh, Memorial race. Um, then there's uh, the Wilson um, Bobby Wilson Memorial. I'd like to run that. That kind of means something to me. But other than running, you know, a Fender car, I just I. I don't have anything against him, but you know, I just, it's not my cup of tea. You take a sprint car driver and you put him in a a stock car. And and I was going to write this down on paper when he got in one, I couldn't go watch him because I was out of town, but I told my wife or girlfriend, sorry, wife, um, that I'm going to write down three things that he'll say. The big, slow reacting and uh, a little bit slower coming off the corner. And that's exactly what he said. But, and then you take a guy that's in a stock car, like Marty O'Neill, he, he ran the no yeah, way yeah, out this yeah, year. Yeah. And uh, I was talking to Larry Hartwell, and I asked, which I, I well, don't Marty know. Marty ran the Fun Fest, not the No Way. Fun Fest, yeah. yeah. But I don't know Marty. I've, I've been around him a little bit, but not to really know him. But I asked Larry, I said, what do he think? He says, says fast and no side bite. <laughs> And you know, late models all side by. Oh yeah, and yeah, they're, they're fast the too. Well, I know whenever I ran, but you know, it's just too different, too much yeah. of a difference well, in I between watched, the two cars. I watched Shane Cottle race a, a late model to try to get into the dream at Eldora one year, and he looked like—I mean—and Shane Cottle, I think, is a good race car driver. Good too. He looked like a rookie trying to drive that late model, right, and right. I think he was just like you said—the reaction. He uh, was you said that seat, that car looks like it's nine miles. It looks like a fender's touching the wall when you're on the bottom. And I mean, for us, because yeah. we sit in the middle of the car, you sit way over, right? You know, the difference. Right. And that's the, the thing that I had is, you know, you sit in the middle of the car in the sprint car, then you're, you're in the late model and you're on that left side. You can't see where, you know, you can't see where the right car, right side of the car. You can, but you can't. But sprint cars, you can really see. You can look out to your right side and you, you know, where, you know you're right at. where you're at. You don't, you don't really know where you're at on, you know, in a, in a stock car, which I'm sure, you know, if, if a guy had 
20 races under his belt, you, you, would, you would finally figure it out after you hit the wall 10 times. But I'll tell you one thing. You'd have to be a genius to put one of them late models together. There's too many moving parts for me. <laughs> You know, I mean, yeah, that's just one thing about it. There, different and there's, there. not, there's nothing to sprint cars. Sprint cars are really sprint easy cars are just to put together. To but there's so many moving parts on them late models. Outside I don't see of how they do it. Outside of the technology of the of the shocks and maybe the the frame design, a sprint car really hasn't evolved a whole lot. Has exactly. It? You're exactly. You know, the front right. ends are almost exactly the same. Right. Mm-hmm. Your rear ends, maybe everything's the same. Things, you know. You know. But you know, late models. I, Talk to some of those mechanics. They well, we're doing something on the lift bar, nest, net, camber, and all that. What? And, yeah, and yeah. for such a heavy car to twist like they do. Yeah, oh, yeah. that is that. Yeah. There's a lot of truth yeah. to that. Yeah. Well, you know, the whole rear end. You know, it. Uh, you yeah, know, it, that rear end moves pulled, so much. Yeah. You know, yeah. The left, the left rear. You know, it probably pulls forward 18 inches, yeah. if not more. Yeah, I you don't know. know. They pull way forward. I know that. So, but it's a uh, it's a different critter. Well, I'm glad we got to bring them out. I know. I threw it out there for you. Speaking, yeah. speaking of uh, late models, Indiana Icebreaker, March 16th. Yeah, which is L- two. Lucas Oil guys will be at Brownstown. So. Which is two really good weekends back-to-back to see the, the Lucas Oil guys on the 16th and then, you know, the real show that next weekend, <laughs> the 22nd and the 23rd for the uh, All-In 25 and the No Way Out. Um, that'll be the, the fun one. My brother asked what you thought about a big block modified. You sit in the middle there. Them things are awesome. I would definitely – uh, yeah, I'd definitely grab one of them. I, I got to watch them. I've probably seen them 12 years ago at, at Eldora. I went and oh watched them when you raced at Eldora. Yeah. things were awesome. Yeah, I'd definitely do that for sure. All right. Well, we're at about a, an hour and, and 10 minutes here, and that's not counting the technical difficulties at the beginning. So I do want to say to both of you, Pete, um, first of all, I really appreciate you coming in because – this was a, an exciting one. I didn't know you were coming in until Matt posted on Facebook today, so it was exciting for me to get to sit down and talk to you about about sprint cars and, and what your career was doing mm-hmm. it and, and everything. And, Drew, I, I wish you all the best of luck, and I'm looking forward to seeing you uh, you run some this year. And and um, I've thrown this out several times, and it's something that I'm going to hold hard and fast to do is that if you ever want a tag-along to go with you somewhere and we'll do a – a in-depth uh, recording as you guys go to the track and throughout the race night and then coming back, I would be happy to, to travel awesome. with you guys somewhere. Most definitely, we'll do that. So let us know. And uh, so everybody else, uh, Happy New Year to everybody. This is um, the first episode of 2019. We did 35 episodes in 2018. So this is the first one here starting off in, in 2019, and it's a good one to start. So. Oh, yeah. Don't right. look at it this way. It's only going to get better. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Everybody have a great, uh, great week, and uh, we'll see you back here in a couple weeks with the next episode of Throttled Up.